The Texas Football Today podcast is brought to you by Chocolate Milk, built by nature. Catch Texas Football Today live weekdays at noon on TexasFootball.com and get involved with the show using hashtag TF Today. And now, on with the show. Yes, yes, y'all! From the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Mothership here in beautiful Carrollton, Texas, it is Texas Football Today, a show on the internet. My name is Greg Tepper. I am the managing editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Football, a magazine, texasfootball.com, a corresponding website. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. Whether you're watching us live at texasfootball.com or Facebook, or you're listening to us on the podcast, which you can subscribe to on the podcast vendor of your choice. Either way, thank you for doing your part to support your local mediocre internet show. Normally, sitting in the hot seat would be the guy who's sitting in the jump seat, but our fearless producer today is the Kid Marrow from Thesis and Marrow. Happy birthday to him. Um, it's also uh, Ray Lewis's birthday, who definitely did not kill a guy. But no, sitting no in the hot seat today, a special guest co-host who has graced us with his presence. Ladies and gentlemen, you know him, you love him. He's the Dave Campbell's Texas Football High School Football Insider. It's Matt Stepp. Hello, Matt. Hello, how are you, sir? Welcome back from the Great White North. Thank you, thank you. I'm not near as good-looking as the guy usually sits in this seat, uh, but I'll try. But in honor of Danny Davis, we have Colorado Ooh, Rockies. Colorado Rockies. So, hey, Danny, what's up? I will say, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna grade you based on handsomeness because you're both very handsome boys. Mm. You definitely have significantly less hair than Max. I do significantly yeah. less hair than Max. You are you are getting the score's getting run up. You're it getting, is. You're about to get forty five. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's nice. gonna be. I, I just gotta kind of live with that. Sorry, it's kind of one of those things. You know. Today is Tuesday, May fifteenth, two thousand eighteen, hundred ninety one days to Thanksgiving. Episode five fifty seven, five fifty seven. The number of plate appearances for Harold Baines in his illustrious Texas Rangers oh. career: one hundred fifty three games, nineteen eighty nine to nineteen ninety. Former Oriole too, Greg. That is a former Oriole grade. He, he was a journeyman. He had, a, um, he had a great beard too. Do you, do you want to just do you want to just talk about how bad our <laughs> our favorite baseball teams are? It's a long summer. It's going to be a long summer. When's football season start? Yeah, because be uh, yeah. So we're going to kind of kick around a number of topics. Uh, going to talk a little seven on seven. Talk a little coaching changes. Just kind of catch up with the latest in the world of being a Texas high school football insider. Uh, but before we get to that, I do want to mention something that uh, my family's in the news, and I want to address it. Oh, all right. Um. So you may be seeing, if you go to ESPN.com, um, which is a, a, a website on the Internet, you will probably be seeing a headline, something like, Source, uh, Tepper expected to sign Panthers deal. Uh, this is David Tepper, the um, the famous, uh, not famous, but he's a billionaire. He's a hedge fund guy. He shows up on, like, uh, Fox Business and CNBC and all that fun stuff, talking uh, talking that stuff. Uh, and uh, that's... that's uh, that is Uncle Dave. Mm-hmm. It's Uncle Dave. Are you in his will? That's um, the only question I want. You know, it's, I didn't want to bring it up. Okay. But uh, it's... Uh, so you know, Max is a one percenter and you're a potential one percenter. I will... Okay. <laughs> in all honesty, David Tepper is... I, I mean, we're all related. Like, you and I are related in some cosmic way. But, like, I, I, I don't believe there's any sort of connection between myself and my family and David Tepper, who was about to own the Carolina Panthers. Uh, but... My brother brings up a great point, and, and I promise we're going to – this is only tacitly in, involving politics. But David Tepper uh, is a billionaire hedge fund 
uh, manager. And right now, you know, the sports world is going through this as it happens whenever somebody new enters the sports world. Um, everyone's going, who is this guy? Do a little background info. Do a little background. Yeah. And if you look up David Tepper, you will see that um, he had some real hot takes on Donald Trump during the election. He was apparently a big jab guy, being okay. a jab. Okay. So he had some hot takes on Trump. Donald Trump is, pres- is currently our president. Breaking, um, breaking news. Breaking news. So my brother brings up the great point. Uh, our president is not particularly fond of the NFL, from what we understand. Our president is certainly not fond of people who don't have nice things to say about him. It's fair. Bo- both I would agree with. There is a greater than zero chance that the president ats me on Twitter. Yeah. My Twitter handle is Tepper. Um, <laughs> I've already gotten so, like a lot of joking tweets be like, hey, yo, congratulations on buying the Panthers, Tepper. Um, <laughs> you but, leave a new CTF? Yeah. You're, you're yeah, announcing your yeah, departure. Yeah, that's what this is. Happening? Okay. Um, but... That would that would end my social media experience like forever <laughs> because if I get added by the president of the United yeah, States, your mentions will be a it's total a it's, it's dumpster a, fire. It's a, it's a dumpster fire, and it's not a dumpster fire for like a day. No, it's a dumpster fire forever. Yeah. So I know he's watching, Mister President. If you could, please. Choose your mentions wisely. Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever you uh, you want to go after the new owner of the of the Panthers, it's not me. Uh, and uh, and You're just I'm, innocent in this. I'm just yeah. I'm just a I'm just a dork. Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a billionaire. Uh, so just choose wisely, please, because I'd like to keep my Twitter account. Yeah. Uh, or, or the hiatus should be ending soon, though, right? You, you... Uh, yeah, after we go to press. Uh, okay. We go to press on June 1, and then the, the tw- my Twitter sabbatical will end. Okay. So, uh, I need, I need, one day I'm going to do that, because I, I think that's very, it's very, cleansing. it's cleansing for the soul. It's cleansing, like, and the reason I do it is, like, I don't, I just don't have time to be, you know, dealing dorking, with, dorking around on Twitter. Yeah, dealing with us. Uh, dealing, you know, getting fights on the internet. And so I don't really have time, and so it started that way, but now it's become more of like a, okay, reset, there's bigger things in the world than, than that. Uh, so. True. Um, that's that's the latest in my. You're world. missed. I mean, but I understand. I'm not missed. Nobody has missed my tweets. Yeah. I promise you, that's not happened. We are at Texas Football today. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com, talking football in the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF, like us on Facebook, Facebook.com/slash Dave Campbell's. Follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com/slash Dave Campbell's, and of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. TexasFootball.com is where you can find complete coverage of high school football, college football, and recruiting all across Lone Star State. He's on his phone right now, so we might as well just get into it with Matt <laughs> Stepp, uh, Dave Campbell's Texas football high school football insider. Um, I imagine you are in there trying to get the scoops, trying to get the scoops on yeah, the, on the high so coaching I, changes. I know one, one coaching change, one of the bigger jobs that's still open is uh, Houston Stratford and trying to figure out what's going mm-hmm. on there. I think... The guy now I, I'm not going to mention the guy's name because he's coaching at another school, mm-hmm. but the guy that we discussed, uh, I think he is definitely a strong contender. So mm-hmm. I'll just say he's an assistant and he's got ties to Stratford in the past. So so that's we'll that's, see. You know, we'll, and and as we've mentioned before, you're only you're not doing this to be coy. You're not you're not saying oh it's going to be an assistant just to 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 say oh I know something you don't. Yeah. You're doing it so that you give these these coaches an opportunity to to. Tell the 
tell their players and tell yeah, their absolutely. family on their own terms. I'm sorry, I'm dying Does Tepper need some water? This is it. Greg need water. This is the big one. Uh-huh. Um, Uncle, yeah, it, Uncle Dave by the Panthers, and I can never go. But, um, I, yeah, I think – I mean, and the Stratford thing is – I don't think it's official yet. I think that process is still ongoing. But I think definitely there's – a lead contender is emerging okay. for sure. So that, I would, that's probably the biggest job other than Ennis. Other than Ennis. Still and, open. And that's kind of where I want to go with this. Um, so let's let's follow that rabbit hole a little bit back to the, the beginning, which was, of course, the Jack Welch situa- situation at Copperas Cove. Um, we were ahead of the curve on that at DCTF. We, yeah. we, we were ahead of the curve there. Uh, Copper's Cove is a, it's a, 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 of course, still a bizarre situation. Still not a lot public. I'm not asking, I don't want to uh, ask you to say anything that's going to get you in trouble. But um, do we really understand anything with regards to the Jack Welch departure uh, at Copper's Cove? Because to me, it still seems very, very muddy. Yeah, and I think it's going to remain that way. Partly because I think there's a settlement in place down. Mm. There's probably some sort of gag order in mm-hmm. place. It sounds like just looking on the outside, looking in, it wasn't one thing. I think it was a combination of factors and little things that built up over time um, that really kind of contributed to this divorce. Um, part of it is I think Coach Welch had been there for a long time, and I think there was certain certain people in the community wanted a change. Mm-hmm. Um his brother leaving and taking the Lake Worth job, I think that was a real red flag there. I was going to ask about that. He was – most everyone thought he Tracy Welch was the coach in waiting at Coppers Cove. And at one time, I think there was kind of a wink-wink agreement uh, in place for that to happen. And then when he very, very suddenly left and went to Lake Worth, you know – and make no mistake about it, Tracy Welch – I don't know how because how, Lake Worth, if you recall, that job was open for a long time, and I had a lot of comments on Twitter about the job and the length of job mm-hmm. time that job was open. It was Tracy open for Welch, like months. Tracy Welch, if, to me, if Tracy Welch applied for the Lake Worth job in January, he would almost be a no brainer to take the job. So mm-hmm. I wonder if he jumped into the Lake Worth race late in the game, okay, and then he got the job, and maybe he jumped into the Lake Worth Lake Worth job race because of stuff that was brewing behind the scenes in Copper's Cove where he was like he was getting getting to a better situation before it quote unquote hit the fan. And so that's not me. That's not like I was I was kind of drawing those I was kind of connecting those dots that when Tracy Welch left, I remember when we talked about that, us being like, huh, you know, boy, that's that's a you know, for a job that was open that long, seems kind of odd that like suddenly he's getting into the so I'm not the only one connecting those dots. It, no, you know, it no. seemed like that should have been the first sign that there was uh, that something was rotten in Denmark. And I think it kind of was at, at, at a certain point. And then you started hearing the rumblings that you know Coach Welch had not been at Cove for a while, that he was taking some time off, and you know and you start putting things together. And I, and I think part of it may have been you know he'd been there for a while. They hadn't had the kind of success the past few years that they were used to. Um, that that could have been something, and then you know you, you know administrations change and, and mm. relationships change, and you just wonder if that relationship between Coach Welch, uh, Jack Welch, and the administration at Copper's Cove wasn't quite as good. And, and you know, Coach Welch may have been like, you know what, I've been doing this a long time. If this isn't a good situation for me, I'm just going to go ahead and, and and just just hang it up. And 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 I, you know, I. I I've put my time in, and I'm ready. Mm-hmm. To, ready to. I don't. I want to. If I'm going to be working, I'm going to be. Real, I'm going to be happy working. And if mm-hmm. he wasn't happy anymore, maybe that that they kind of make, get, agreed to a mutual departure at some point. And it was a big move. It's a big. It was a big opening there. Um, 
because this is a guy who you know won almost 200 games there in 24 years. They went to two title games, went to another semifinal. Yeah. That um, three-year run, they went to two title games. And people forget the year after RG3 left, they they moved up in classification. They went back to 5A at the time mm-hmm. and went 14-1 and one mm-hmm. and lost to Wiley in the semifinals. And then mm-hmm. Wiley ended up losing to uh, – lost to Katie in the state championship game that year down that in Houston. Right. So, I mean, that, that three-year run – and I think that third Coppers Cove team may have been the most impressive going 14-1 and, yeah, one especially and after moving, moving up. up. Yeah, so uh, they had a great run there. and then, But, you know, after that, things yeah. have kind of – you know, they were well, – I, I, I don't know if they've won a playoff game – and I mentioned in the this last five years. I mentioned this when we were talking about this on Monday when we get to kind of the predicate of the sentence. Uh, that Copper's Cove is a job that and I, I hope this isn't offending people, but um, it's a job that was great that's probably now because of the growth there and because of the changes in the population down there and as far as like where people are living, it's a great job that's probably now only like pretty good. Is that, do you think that's fair to yeah, say? Yeah, it's, or do you, or it's not you, a great job right now. Yeah. Now, it can become a great job again. I think Copper's Cove is one of those places, because it's so close to Colleen, mm-hmm. if Copper's Cove, if Jack uh, Jack Alvarez comes in, comes into Cove and gets that thing turned and pointed in the right direction, you could see families making choosing to move to Copper's Cove mm-hmm. for, because it's a one-school town, relatively good school system. Uh, you know, Colleen's four high schools, less less politics. You know, mm-hmm. you less red tape in a single single school town. Mm-hmm. I could easily see people make choosing to live in Copper. Maybe it's a little more expensive to live in Copper's Cove, but people making those sacrifices to live in Copper's Cove if they feel like the athletic program. Because make no mistake about it, people move for mm-hmm. good athlete, extracurricular activities. Mm-hmm. That's a fact of life, whether or not it's approved by a district executive committee or anything. <laughs> If someone's living in Colleen and they can find a place in Copper's Cove and they want to live in Copper's Cove bad enough, they're going to move to Copper's Cove. So I think if that happens, I think Copper's Cove could turn into a great job again. But I don't think it's going to be a – I think it's going to be a two-, three-year process if Jack Alvarez can get it going. And you mentioned his name, Jack Alvarez, uh, moving – taking over the Copper's Cove job, uh, moving from Ennis uh, where he'd been um, – you know, he led them to a title just – Four years ago, twenty-five in seven years. That's I mean, he was really, really. That's this is a this is a high-profile coach and a really well-respected coach in Texas high school football. Um, at what seemed to me to be a pretty plum gig there at Ennis. Great gig. Um, were you surprised by the Jack Alvarez news? Yes, um, I was a little bit surprised by it. I didn't think, um, you know, when I heard his name mentioned, it, I was like, wow, you know, is is Copper's Cove a better job than Ennis? Mm-hmm. And obviously Coach Alvarez thinks so because he took the job. Now he has his reasons. And I, and I talked I talked to Coach Alvarez Friday driving from Toronto to Buffalo. So it was an international phone call there. Oh, my gosh. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, we talked. always grinding, guys. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, we talked. And, and, you know, he, you know, Coach Alvarez, you know, felt like it was just the right time and for his professional growth. Um, I think he – I think – Coach Alvarez was ready for a new challenge. Mm-hmm. You know, six A. You know, he he hadn't coached at the highest level yet in Texas high school football, and I think sure. the challenge of coaching at a six A program intrigued him. It's a little bit closer to home for him. Um, he felt like it was a better move for his family, um, and you know, I I think you know people were wondering about about the pay. I don't, I don't think that was an issue. I think Coach Alvarez's resume speaks for itself, and I'm sure he's going to be. Uh, 
they're going to be comp- they're, they're competitive with their pay. I doubt Coach Alvarez is taking a pay cut to go to Coppers Cove. Yeah. So I mean, I think he'll be taken care of there. So I think he felt like it was the right time for him to make the move. Um, it puts Ennis in a difficult spot. They went through spring football. Yeah, it's over. Yeah, I mean they've gone through spring ball, and now the new coach is going to come in and and he's going to be kind of working. A, if if they don't make the hire internally, yeah. Um, which you know, from my indications, I I would be surprised if they hire internally. Um, so they're bringing in a coach from the outside, and unless that coach already has ties to Ennis, um, they're going to be working a little bit behind because now they're going to have to basically go into the sp- go into the fall and be tied almost to the system that they ran because you're not going to have no, no time in the in the fall because you have less week one less week one less scrimmage to install what you want to do so and they're in a nine team district yeah. so they're in district play in week three yeah you know so they don't they, they have that 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 timeline is super accelerated and and the thing because now Ennis and and it's worth mentioning that you know I think I think Ennis is a, is a great job from like it checks a lot of boxes you want in a Texas high school football program. Yes. Great pedigree, uh, great history, obviously, with what Coach Sam Harrell was able to do for, for many, many years. Um, There's talent. One school town, talent is a Location, good you're, you're, you're close to Dallas, but you're still out. and out, You're out. If you, if, you, if you like that country living, you mm-hmm. can still, you mm-hmm. still get that in us, but yet you're 45 minutes from Dallas. And so, is, you know, you kind of mentioned it a little bit, but I want to I pin you down on it. It's fair to say that you expect a pretty high caliber uh, applicant list for the Senate's job. Oh yeah, I mean that's it's an it's a it's an elite job. I, I think in in, in the five A you know five A Division two, um, I would say it's an, it's a top ten top fifteen job in class five A Division two. You know, I mean, we're, it's, a, yeah. it's an outstanding gig. I think they will get a lot of. In fact, off the record, there's been several. Guys who have great resumes, who are head coaches, who have reached out to me personally, trying to get what I my, asking my thoughts on the job. So mm-hmm. at least there's whether these guys apply or not is another another story. But they're at least expressing they're intrigued by the opening. And now you know it's it's May fifteenth. This is you know we are we're back we're in it, we're officially in like the back end of silly season. Yeah. But there's still a number of. Pretty, you know, high-profile jobs, you know, still open. Uh, jobs that, you know, I, I think uh, should move the needle. And it's probably the the most high-profile. Is there any other job right now uh, that's open that you're really intrigued by what's going to happen there eventually, whenever they do settle on it, especially this late in the game? Definitely, we talked about it earlier. I think Houston Stratford, mm-hmm. excellent. It's an excellent job. I think that that's one. Um, that I'm intrigued by. I'm a little bit intrigued by Corpus Christi Carroll. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my gut tells me that job may stay inside. Um, just be, you know that they continued spring football, and I, I'll be surprised if they don't promote from within um, at Corpus Christi Carroll. But I think that's one of the better jobs in CCISD. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really intrigued by Irving. Um, this yeah. is Hal Wasson's first big hire as the new executive athletic director of Irving ISD. So. Um, that one really, I think, is 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 going to intrigue me as far as what direction they go in, go in there. And I think another one in East Texas that I'm interested in is uh, Omaha Paul Pewitt. That's a traditional mm-hmm. program that's been traditionally good. Uh, they've fallen on some tougher times the last couple of years, uh, but I think Paul Pewitt um, is another one that I'm. I think that's a good small school job. I don't think the pay is is, is all that competitive, and that may shy some guys away who have bigger resumes but you could see a, a an assistant chomping at the bit to get that first job 
uh, trying to go after that. And, and Livingston is yeah. hiring tonight. I'll be interested to see who they hire. They're dropping down from 5A mm-hmm. to 4A. They've had a lot of struggles in 5A. I think dropping down to 4A will help them a little bit, and I'll be interested to see um, who gets that job tonight. It just, it just, you know, it, it really stuns me. When you go to texasfootball.com slash coach changes, when you see, and I think we mentioned this last time you were here, but the the number of coaching changes this year is probably about par for the course. Mm-hmm. It's not. Yeah, I, it's someone not, asked me about that on Twitter today, actually. Not, it's it's yeah. about par for the course. It it's is. not crazy. It's not like, you know, you've got, this is about the number of changes you expect. But the high-profile jobs, mm-hmm. I mean, forget for a moment about Carroll and DeSoto, uh, you know, and, and Ennis and, and all these huge jobs at the, at the big school level. Tenahaw changes coaches. At the six-man level, Richland Springs changes coaches. I mean, there's a lot of really big programs that are making, that are making changes, sometimes for the first time in a long time, uh, but... I am really. I think this is a, a really truly remarkable season uh, of in, in as far as coaching changes are concerned. Not because of the volume, but because of the impact. Yes, because a lot of these the programs job. shape what Texas high school football looks like. I mean, you think about like even, even look at one we we haven't talked about much, but Amarillo High. That's yeah, it's one of the real blue blood programs. They have more almost as many wins as anyone. Uh, in the history of Texas high school football, that they changed jobs, and then we, you know, and I think that, and then the, some of the out the drama and the craziness mm-hmm. involved some of the coaching changes. I mean, even like one that didn't change, Highland Park, we thought that was going to open up, and then it didn't. All of a sudden, you know, Manville, and that that was not very much drama, but still, they had that's a big time job, and they changed coaches. Brenham, yeah, Brenham. Brenham. I, mean, I mean, you talk about a guy in, in, that's been there forever, Port Arthur Memorial. A lot of yeah. huge coaching changes. Uh, this year, that it, it's going to be a new look in in 2018 in Texas high school ball, um, and and uh, it, it's going to be there's going to be storylines all over the place just because of these new guys absolutely at these, at these places. TexasFootball.com/slash/coach-changes. He's Matt Stepp. He's the Dave Campbell's Texas Football High School Football Insider. Uh, Matt, uh, I want to ask you. We got a question here on on Facebook. Somebody asks, uh, uh, want you to clarify. Uh, you mentioned Hal Watson is the executive athletic director. What's that mean? Because I know what an athletic director is, <laughs> but what? But what? Like, how does that differ from you know so and so being the athletic director? So Clint Roddy is the. I, in my understanding, is so Clint Roddy is still has the title of athletic director. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, Hal Wasson is the Clint Roddy's boss now. So, in essence, Clint Roddy, to my understanding, reports to Hal Wasson. So. It's just a title. I mean, in, in reality, Hal Wasson's the athletic director, and Clint Roddy's probably the assistant athletic director. If you're, you know, but for title's sake and probably mm-hmm. other things HR related, mm-hmm. they had to give Hal Wasson a different title, so they gave him the ath- executive athletic director title. He's Matt Stepp, Dave Campbell's Texas Football High School Football Insider on Twitter at Matt underscore Stepp and HR expert apparently and HR expert. <laughs> uh, you're watching Texas Football today here on uh, Facebook and on TexasFootball.com/slash live. You're listening to the podcast, um, which you can subscribe to on the podcast vendor of your choice. All right, there's the other thing that is going on right now. It's starting to rev up. It is um, the past. The first things. it's we're talking seven on seven football and. The first couple of weeks, I will say, and I mentioned this on the show yesterday, uh, I don't put a ton of stock into. Nah. Largely because of the first week was regional track, and then last week was 
State track. State track. Yeah. And, so, and you have some schools still guys in baseball, too. That's to a lesser impact. But, you know, there's some guys that play baseball, too. So that's going on as well. So there's a lot going on. Yeah, there's a lot going on, and so I wouldn't, you know, these early these early results, I wouldn't put a ton of stock into. Uh, but you're out there. You've now been to two state qualifying tournaments out there uh, around the states, talking with coaches, getting a feel for, for what they've got going on. Obviously, these coaches cannot be involved in the coaching of it, but they like to go there to watch their kids play. Um, I'm interested in, in when you talk with coaches – why are they there? What are they particularly interested in seeing? What is it about 7-on-7, seven seven, besides the fact that it's football, yeah. uh, makes them want to go there and, and get eyes on their team? I think a lot of coaches like to go out there because of the freedom that the kids have, because the coaches aren't involved. They they look for a lot of the intangible things, mm-hmm. leadership ability, who when things are going bad, who's, who's the kids that are kind of rallying the troops, who are the kids that are – getting down on themselves or getting down on their teammates. Um, they look for situational things. You know, you, you can try to simulate things um, in practice um, and those types of things, but but in a game, 7-on-7 is not real football, but you can simulate game situations a lot better because, number one, you're playing against a different opponent than mm-hmm. your teammates, and there's something on the line. Yeah. So, you know, I, I know last week we had uh, – in the one uh, Lorena was playing Whitney, and uh, – you know, Whitney saw some great things because they were down twenty to six and they rallied and took the lead. And then Lorena comes back with you know in a two minute drill type thing and scores a touchdown with a minute and a half left to take the lead. So you know those kind of simulation, simulating those kind of situations, seeing who 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 can make plays when the chips are down, um, those types of things. I think coaches are looking at different situational stuff. Even in something simple like maybe at the end of the end of a half. Simulating a Hail Mary scenario where a team's going to throw a bomb in the end zone to try to score a touchdown. Being able to simulate where to line up and knock the ball down. Or a third and 15 defense where you're going to be a little softer and letting the guy catch the ball but not give up the first down. Those types of situations, you can you that's you, you, invaluable experience because you're actually playing against a different opponent and the kids are really out there giving a lot giving giving a lot of effort and there's you know anytime you play against somebody in a different color jersey you're gonna yeah. l- the the stakes are a little higher and you're gonna you know and you're out there obviously one of the things we talk about all the time is that it's a great time for us to talk with coaches because it's the summer they're a little bit more relaxed oh, yeah. uh, you know they're they're off the clock they're putting up with us you know yeah. a few more hijinks are, are yeah. in play that it's kind a little of thing. bit it's a little bit more relaxed and, and and you know we get the great interviews on camera but then a lot of the insights we can get off camera and just say hey coach you know tell me what you really think about uh you know some of your district rivals and stuff like that oh yeah um that's kind of the big allure for us as far as on the field though when you're out there watching a state uh, a seven on seven um tournament you're watching teams um we want to balance the idea of putting too much stock into uh, a seven on seven result versus not enough stock um what are you looking for besides you know obviously freak athletes are going to stand out but of course but what are you looking for uh when you go out there and watch seven on seven uh individually you know you're looking at you know court you know you, you want to see how quarterback if he, what kind of throws he can and can't make mm-hmm. uh receivers which guys um you know what kind of receivers you have are, are guys just freak athletes and going up and making plays how slick of a route runner are they are they separating those types of things from a team standpoint uh, the first thing I look at offensively is what kind of offense are they running? Are they running a junk offense, or are they running an offense that you can run in the fall? Yeah. So, so to um, to to really put a, a a pin on that, you when you say junk offense, you mean just an offense designed exclusively to win seven on seven turns. Yeah. So you're running, you know, three yard slant routes where linebackers and defensive linemen would be. Yeah. 
you can't run that route in real football. Mm-hmm. In seven on seven, you can run it because there's no lineman there. But in, in real football, you can't run a th- on third and two. You can't run a three yard in mm-hmm. and have a receiver standing there three yards away because, generally speaking, there's a defensive lineman who's going to mash you, mm-hmm. or a linebacker who's going to destroy you. So I look for look for things like that. Teams are running or where a quarterback rolls right and then throws the ball down the field five yards back into the middle of the field. Yeah, he can't run that in real football. Right. So. I try to look for teams who are running real stuff that uh, that that translates into Friday night. You know those fifteen yard out routes where the quarterback's making a throw from the pocket and throwing from one hash to the other. You know if that guy can make that throw, I'm like, okay, that kid, yeah. that kid can spin it. You know those types of things are what I'm looking for. Defense a little bit. Defense is a little bit tougher because they're at a disadvantage and they can't. You know they can't ch- chuck the receivers inside of five yards. The, the game's mm-hmm. designed for the offense, so it's a lot tougher to to gauge the defense. But even last year, I know me and Max were at the state seven on seven last year. We, you know, saw Longview and how good they were in the secondary. And we were like, if they're shutting people down in seven on seven, they're going to be great in real football. And they were, it turned out to be, to have a great secondary, made a lot of plays, uh, got a lot of turnovers and it translated into real football. So I think it's just being able to kind of see the forest through the trees. Um, but I will say in most years recently, I've done some analysis on this, on this in the off season, Teams that actually really do well at state seven on seven, generally speaking, the ones that get you know to the quarterfinals, mm-hmm. the semifinal round, generally speaking, in the fall they generally have good years. I mean, you look at last year, you know, Graham and Lake Travis mm-hmm. won state seven on seven. Well, they were a combined yeah twenty eight and twenty nine and two or twenty nine. Travis and three. played for a title. Graham was in a semifinal. semifinal. Yeah, and even the teams they beat, you know, Lake Travis beat Waxahachie in the in the in the title game. Waxahachie went three deep mm-hmm. last year. Uh, I can't remember who Graham beat. I think Graham beat China Spring in the state championship game, I think, and China Spring had a really good year as well. So the teams that go to state and have good years, um, generally speaking, you, you can pretty much assume they're probably going to be pretty good in the fall. Not always, but in recent years that trend has – I don't think we'll ever see a team like Baytown Lee who won state 7-on-7 seven seven and then went 0-10 in, the, yeah. in the fall. I don't think we'll ever see that again. I think that, that was the early days of 7-on-7. Seven seven. Uh, and finally, of course, while we're talking about 7-on-7, seven seven, the biggest question everybody has on, on their mind is, are you going to be wearing your big dumb hat at 7-on-7 seven seven tournaments? At, now, at the qualifiers, no. For those who don't know, Matt Stepp has a big dumb hat. I do. Um, it's that's functional. The, that's the entire story. It's very functional. The, the backwards hat does not make an appearance at State 7-on-7 seven seven because I'm out in the sun for just way too long. <laughs> and so and for three days straight, too. The qualifiers are just one day I can get away with the ball cap. Uh, state 7-on-7, seven seven, the big dumb hat, does make an appearance. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking forward to State 7-on-7. Seven seven. It's a lot of fun. Um, there's a Division three this year, which, is, which will mm-hmm. be fun at, for the small schools. Uh, so 2A and 3A Division two and 1A schools can play in Division three. That'll be exciting. Um, I'm sure we'll have some, you know, our coverage will be, we'll, you know, we had great coverage last year, and I think our coverage will be even better this year. Um, so mm, you know. Let's not oversell it. Well, you know, I think we'll be. I think we'll, we'll be, be there. We'll be there, and I think our cover. <laughs> I, you know, seven L seven is kind of my thing, and there's other people that cover it for sure. But I, I really think, um, you know, us us as a group, you know, I think I, we've me, Max and Max has been on Team Seven L seven for a while. Yeah, and you're I think you're pulling me onto on it. You. I'm going to go down there for a day. We're working I'll be on down you. there for the yeah. Thursday. And you uh, went to a couple of qualifying tournaments last year. You went to the LD Bell qualifying. I did. And, and I did. So we're 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 working on it. Now we got to get Ishmael on board. We're working on Ish now. We got to get him. Yeah. Get him team seven on seven. We'll be all we'll be all right. It's gonna be fun. It's a fun summer. Uh Matt Stepp uh knows that Texas High School football doesn't sleep. That's why you Never. can follow him on Twitter at Matt underscore Steppapa eight one seven. Step, appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. It was fun. It's good to see you guys. I'm I haven't been here in a while, so I had to make sure that I uh make sure I still had a job.
That's going to do it for us. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. Follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Campbells. Follow us on Instagram, instagram.com slash Campbells, And, of course, see us at texasfootball.com. Vince Young, please come get your Player of the Year trophy. For Max Thompson and Matt Stepp, I'm Greg Tepper. We'll see you tomorrow on Texas Football Today. Thank <laughs> you.